Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast, and I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. Uh, I want to start by saying that <clears throat> if you hear uh, some background noise, I apologized. Uh, I apologize beforehand because I'm not recording in my normal uh, podcast location. I'm actually still um, um, working. Uh, for those who know, I drive, I drive trucks. Well, I drive a truck, my truck, for my business, and so I'm currently at a truck stop. But <clears throat> I wanted to record uh, this podcast, and uh, ones in the in the in the near future, I'll say, uh, they will also be recorded uh, here as well until I can get back to my actual podcast uh, little studio that I have. Uh, which I will be getting back to doing uh, visuals uh, with my podcast. I'm trying to make sure I have my background, <clears throat> excuse me, set up the way that I want. But anyway, on today's episode, I want to talk about critical race theory. Now, the reason I want to talk about critical race theory is because on yesterday, I was going through my social media and I'm recording this. Um, May 15th, 2021, uh, just for a point of reference. And so I was going through my social media uh, on yesterday, the 14th, and I saw one of my friends on Facebook made a status. And um, the status was, uh, do you need any more proof? And what he was referring to was the House GOP in Texas essentially signing a bill that would make um what will outlaw basically teachers talking about racism which ties into what we uh know as critical race theory so uh one of the things that like i said i like to do here is i is i, is I want to i want to educate i you know i want i want to talk i want you know um intellectual conversations um because i feel like this you know it's not a lot of them, especially with a lot of other things that are, you know, trending, uh, the things that essentially uh, grab, you know, basically grab people's attention, grabs people's attention. I'm sorry. So I found this article on CNN uh, written by Faith uh, Karemi. I believe I'm pronouncing her last name right. Uh, this article was posted May 10th, uh, 2021, which obviously was the beginning of this week. And so basically the title of it is what critical race theory is and isn't. So in this article, uh, she went to talk about the history um, of critical race theory and highlighted a, a scholar who is essentially pushing the uh, critical race theory um, narrative to um, mainstream. And her name is Kimberly uh, Crenshaw. Um, and she's labeled as a founding critical race theorist and a law professor at who teaches at UCLA as well as Columbia University. So she spoke about basically that um, the critical race theory is basically a continuation of what civil rights what civil rights activists in the past, such as W.E.B. Du Bois, Fannie Lou Hamer, and Pauli Murray, uh, essentially spoke about um, during their time. 
So, and she stated, this is this is one of her quotes. Uh, she said, everything builds on what came before. Uh, stating that the so-called American dilemma was not simply a matter of prejudice, but a matter of structured disadvantages that stretch across that stretched across American society. So she, um, so the article goes on to say that some of the earliest origins can be traced back to the 1970s, uh, when lawyers, activists, and legal scholars realized the advances of civil, of the civil rights era of the 1960s had stalled, uh, and this is this was. Um, publicized in a book titled Critical Race Theory and Introduction, right? Um, so it goes on to talk about another book um, that's titled Words That Wound Critical Race Theory, Assaultive Speech and the First Amendment, right? So uh, it talks about how it's evolved over the years. Um, this is another quote from uh, Dr. Crenshaw. Uh, she said at this point it is wider than any specific discipline or school of thought is it 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 isn't even exclusively american so basically i must this obviously um i feel like this is a pan-africanist approach to thinking where it just says that this isn't just an issue uh that uh plagues america this is an issue that plagues uh nations around this country uh because um the the system of Seemingly white supremacy uh, is dom is is dominant dominant um, all around this particular globe. Um, so um, goes on to say in the article, the concept says the concept has taken on new urgency since the killings last year of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and other African Americans by police officers led a national reckoning on race. Um, so they talk about where is where is actually critical race theory actually being taught. Um, it's taught at Cornell, well, Cornell and Harvard universities have conducted research on it. Uh, and I'm reading this directly from the article. So I have the National Institutes of Health. The theory has also led to similar groups focused on Asian American, Latino, and Indian racial experiences. Now, that's what's interesting. I want y'all to, want, I want y'all to, to take note of that. Put an asterisk right beside that because we're going we're gonna to come back to that. Uh, it goes on to say the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has scheduled training on critical race theory last fall before President uh, Trump uh, canceled it. Um, goes on to say that the Biden administration um, is being is being more receptive to critical race theory um, and is basically promoting it, promoting education programs for it, which was opposed by many conservatives. Uh, it goes on to talk about. Uh, President Trump attack on the teaching well the 1619 project um, such and such like that so again this that's the name of the article uh, you can go and you can um, you can look it up so where do I want to go where do I want to start where do I want to start well this is where I'll start it noted that what was done in the 1960s started to fade away in the 1970s now what's really interesting about the 1970s as well as the advancements that were made in the 60s is that the word minority um, was around in that particular literature 
So obviously around the 70s, according to Dr. Claude Anderson, we had a new demographic of people that had been introduced uh, during the particular 70s. So with that being said, obviously, when you have the word minority in certain literature and certain documents, um, benefits that um, like seemingly like affirmative action and things like that, that were supposed to be for um, African-Americans, obviously, they get pushed off, not pushed off, but they are able to be exploited and used by other groups that are migrating over here, such as um, such as immigrant groups and stuff like that. So one of the things that I feel like it does by saying that some of the parallels and the things that were accomplished in the 60s were starting to fail in the 70s is I feel like thing, I feel like there has been an overemphasis placed on the things that were accomplished uh, seemingly in the 60s. Um, obviously, um, I feel like the wrong um, road was taken. And when the wrong road is taken, um, it impacts. It has um, a great amount of impact. There was more emphasis on more integration during the 60s than more segregation, even though it still ended up being segregation. But the illusion, as Paul Mooney uh, most notably says, the illusion of inclusion uh, is still something that is somewhat, you know, it's still profound uh, in the African-American community because it's one of those situations where it's like um, you have, a, you have I feel like, a, a large group um, of African-Americans who feel that obviously there are some issues here within this particular country, but if I have the ability to live where I want to live, seemingly work where I want to work, then I don't really want to make a big fuss about it even though there should be and there was supposed to be more that we're supposed to have in this country. And I, obviously, to go back and quote Dr. Claude Anderson, um, African-Americans in this country own one half of one percent of the wealth in this particular country. So when I think about literature, when I think about documents, I, I think about what Jay-Z said um, when he spoke and people were upset because he said, okay, we're past the kneeling uh, on the um, heels of the Colin Kaepernick situation. And I feel like this is the same type of thing. What, what else is there to talk about? I mean, what, I mean what, what is there else to talk about? We've had great orators in the past. We've had the Martin Luther Kings. We had the W.B. Du Bois. We had the James Baldwin. We have the Malcolm X. We've had the Kwame Ture. We, we, we've had multiple, multiple orators that have come and essentially said the same exact thing. And so this is why when I see things about critical race theory, I look at it on the same, I look at it with the same eyes. I look at it, um, this whole talk about reparations and we got to discuss it. We got to figure out what is the best way to distribute it. And it's one of those situations where it's like there has already been comprehensive work done in the past about how reparations can be can be taught. Now, again, when we go back to the aspect of, again, Dr. Crenshaw speaking about that this isn't just something that she feels is just uh, relevant to America. 
And again, I look at it taken from a Pan-African standpoint, Pan-Africanist standpoint that anywhere you're going in um, on this globe, uh, there are African-Americans or people of our pigmentation that are seemingly at the bottom of the totem pole. And the ones that seemingly make their way to the top of the totem pole, they don't necessarily necessarily rock the boat or push the needle to the point that um, things things transpire. And when they do push the needle too far, um, you know, assassination happens, you know, a coincidence, right? But I just look at them in the same breath because I'm, 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 this is my thing. And this is why I go back to why they're saying they're looking for it in, in Asian um, populations and Latino populations because I told my wife this. I said, okay, you get critical race theory passed where they teach it in all the schools. So what? So what's going to happen then? So then, again, going back to one of my previous podcasts when I talked about African Americans being a permanent underclass um, based on what I'm looking at from the census standpoint and based on what I'm looking at from a life expectancy and all those particular things, you can go back and, and listen to that particular podcast. But you get that passed, then it's definitely going to get passed for Asian Americans. It's definitely going to get passed for Latino Americans. So what we're going to have, again, when we look at population, with Latino population increasing and basically going to double that of African American uh, population and Asian population um moving up as well and being a little bit less than african-american population but again i know that them living longer as well as again according to data being more educated and having um more median home um wealth seemingly than african-americans then if they want to present present a critical race theory for their people then that will go through so what does that mean that means that we're right back at the same point that we're at today. That means that seemingly just like the civil rights activists that came before us that fought for equal rights and all those particular different things. And what we saw that came after that, which is other groups coming in and getting the same benefits that as Kwame Ture, because I was listening to one of his speeches today, get benefits that um, black life was lost over. And they get to come in and get those benefits. Now, again, I'm not trying to make this a a race thing, but again, I'm just pointing out the facts. I'm just pointing. I'm just pointing out what the situation is. So you are pushing so hard for critical race theory, and then in the same article, you're talking about that the same type of things are are being created for Asian American, Latino, and Indian um, Americans. Then. I just have to think we're going to be right back at square one again. And what is square one? Square one is that every single person has a history or has a story of being discriminated against. So obviously those are the three. So why wouldn't Italians or why wouldn't Irish people feel like, okay, well, let's let's talk about discrimination within this country as well as abroad. So I'm not just, again, to, again, piggyback off what Dr. Crenshaw spoke about. This is not just an American thing. Right. So if we do critical race theory across the globe for each and every race, then we get back to the same conclusion that every single person can say that, hey, we've been discriminated against. Now, obviously, one of the things that I see a lot of people do 
and is they 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 skirt around the issue. They say that well, I don't want to just make this a a black thing. You know, I don't I don't want this just to to, to feel like that. Um, black Americans are, are are trying to be in a somewhat of a a, a competition. To say, okay, well, we just we were discriminated against more, or we had more prejudice uh, placed upon us, and in, in those particular different things. Because what you do is you get in those you get in those um, never-ending conversations with other groups, because other groups, again, like I said, can say, well, this is what happened, you know, to us. I'm not, but the name of the bay. Uh, um, what is it? Ellis Island, right? Ellis Island. A lot of immigrants came in um, through Ellis Island. So those individuals have, you know, can 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 claim to say, hey, well, we got um, given the same dilapidated. We were forced to live in the same dilapidated areas that African-Americans live in. We had to fight um, drug ep- epidemics and stuff like that. We were uh, discriminated against within this particular country. And, and, and things like that. So everybody has a claim to it. So that's why I'm saying all of this particular talking, the talking was done in the 60s. That was the kneeling. That was the marching. That was the protesting. That was what the 60s showed us is that, okay, we talked, we marched, we protested, and we voted, right? Fast forward to 2021. Still talking, still marching. Still protesting, still voting. And guess what? Still at the same place. Still at the same place. Because again, one of the things that I always try to hammer home is that we talk about um, Black Wall Street within our community. We talk about Black Wall Street. We talk about um, Durham, North Carolina, right? We talk about, and, and those are just two of the most prominent areas. There are other areas. Uh, in this particular country where African-Americans lived and they seemingly had their own businesses and things like that. And they were they were they were doing they were they were prosperous. So now you fast forward to, to today and we have a scenario where it looks like, OK, African-Americans are doing better than, you know, from a financial standpoint that they're doing better again when in actuality that's almost a slap in the face because it's like, okay, well, look, we got millionaires, we got all this stuff like this. We don't, we don't have the documentation of all the black millionaires from the past. We don't. But if you're telling me that we had whole communities where people were doing were doing well, and we can point to Madam C.J. Walker being a millionaire, I'm not just gonna say that she was the that she was the first one. I mean, not the, I'm not not the first one, but the only one. During that particular period of time, when the 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 concept, the idea of a millionaire um, wasn't seemingly what it is now. Right. It's almost like anybody can be a millionaire. Right. They had a show of like who wants to be a millionaire. Like you answer all those questions. Boom. You can win a million dollars. You have a lottery now that if you hit the, you know, the, the Powerball, the jackpot, you can be a millionaire. Right. So the, 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 the new thing to get to is be a billionaire, right? And so we have a couple of black people that have accomplished billionaire status, right? So it's the same thing, right? It's, it's, it's the same thing. So that's why I say the 60s are still playing out today. The same things that were being talked about in the 60s are being talked about today. They were talking about race in the 60s. They're talking about race today. It's a lot of talking. Again, because a particular ideology and a particular thought process 
was chosen over another. So obviously, if what we feel like in the 60s didn't work, then why in 2021 are we are we running the same place? Why are we running the same place? You know, it, it makes me think about the water boy. For those of you who have watched the water boy, and one of the things that I took away from the water boy was when Henry Winkler, right, who played Fonzie on Happy Days, um, what it was Red Bow U stole his playbook, right, and Red Bow U won all those bowl games, running, you know, running the same plays or whatever like that, blah 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 like that, and Henry Winkler, Coach Klein, he wasn't winning. He didn't, he didn't beat Red Bow U until what he do? He created some old plays. He ran some other plays. So it's time to run other plays. And the play today, which was the play back then, was economics. So we're talking about critical race theory. We continue to get articles talking about the disproportionate um, wages and, 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 you know, all this particular stuff like this, all the wealth that has been has been lost. I saw a a, a story within a group today where a, a black woman, <clears throat> excuse me, was looking to get an appraisal for her home. And so two times she was there, you know, there for the appraisal and she didn't feel like it got appraised for what it needed to get appraised for. So the third time she got one of her white friends to go, you know, be at the house. And she said that the appraisal was four times that of, you know, what it was prior to that. So, we again, so we, we, we have those particular type of things going on. But you're talking about it. You know, we're, we're still talking about it. And I go back to these, you know, go back to politicians, certain politicians that are elected. Y'all are not good salespeople. Y'all, are not, y'all do not possess the ability to sell your constituents on that there is a problem. And that if y'all come together, y'all can solve it. But again, going back to what Dr. Claude Henderson said, we are a permanent underclass at this point. So whatever leverage that we had in the 60s, we do not have that same leverage in 2021. Why? Because... We're no longer the majority minority within this country. So when you're no longer the majority minority in this country, again, going back to my one of my previous podcasts, the Latinos, they're going to they're ascending. They're going to want more resources. They're going to want more bills and things that go in their particular favor, regardless of what this whole black people propel Joe Biden into the White House like you 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 individuals who are who are clinging to that particular flag, I despise you as a a political person. I don't despise you as a person. I, I despise you from a political standpoint because again you follow for the banana in the tailpipe. Right? Follow for the banana in the tailpipe. So getting back on topic to 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 reel myself in from this tangent. I just, I I see no benefit in the 1619 Project. I see no benefit in the critical race theory. Because one of the things that we have to, we have to understand. And as hard as it is to digest, 
is that there are black people who benefit from this system being like this. And when I say benefit, I'm not I'm not just I'm not just pointing out the ones who people so eloquently call coons and buck dance. And I'm talking about their their individuals who look at the system and say, you know what, you know, it's it's like this. I'm gonna grind. You know, I'm 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 gonna go harder. I'm I know that I have to do things twice as you know, twice, you know, I have to work twice as hard. But I'm going to I'm going to start a new paradigm. I'm not going to continue the same paradigm of saying that, you know what, this is what we need to do. And you got here in March and you go out here and protest and you go do all this particular stuff like this. Like, no, nah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it into my own hands and I'm going to impute this particular information into the next generation. I'm I, me as a parent, I'm gonna tell my child about critical race theory at home. I don't need it to be widespread within particular school. But when I but when I teach them about critical race theory to, you know, as Donald Trump so eloquently put about the 1619 project, you know, in, in, in most conservatives saying, okay, this is going to be divisive. This is going to make people anti-white. I want you to teach it to be anti-white. I want you to, I want to, I want to teach it. I want you, when, when, when I show it to you, when I break it down to you, what I wanted to do, I wanted to inspire you. I want you to walk outside each and every day and I want you to look at land. I want you to look at stocks. I want you to look at all property. I want you to look at all this particular different stuff. And I want you to understand that there's rules to this game. And you need to learn the rules quicker than your than your opponent. You need to learn the rules quicker than your fair-skinned opponent. Because um, even though he got shook because of his his uh, praise for for Mr. Farrakhan at, at DMX's funeral, Damon John in his book, I believe it was either Power of Broke or his other book that I read. But in it, but in it, it was a quote that said that most millionaires are, you know, seemingly first generation. Like they, they didn't, they didn't like the percentage of individuals that got it seemingly out the mud, self-made, um, was higher than those who inherited. Now, on one hand, that's good. You know, that's 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 something good. But it's always two sides to a puzzle. The other side is okay, the ones that did inherit it, what did they inherit? Right? What did they inherit? The person that inherits Disney, the person that inherits sports teams, the 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 people that inherit these major businesses and stuff like this, they're still gonna be ahead, regardless of how many millionaires are made, right? Because nine times out of ten, you still are using their platforms to get those millions, right? So um, it could be multiple millionaires made on Instagram, but the creators of Instagram or the owners of Instagram, which is Mark Zuckerberg, he have kids. They pass Instagram down or, or whatever it is that they work on. If that's still prevalent in the future, um, because I'm sure they're going to keep working, they're still going to be ahead. Right. So you still got to use you guys use their platform until you until you create your own. Right. So this one of those particular big things. Sorry about that. <laughs> I left my CV on. But so while that's a again, while that's a good uh statistic and that's something that, that, that you can keep in mind uh moving forward, at the same time, 
you still have to look at, you know, who inherited stuff. So we still have to um, prepare our children to go outside and say, okay, it's a competition outside. It's a race. And each day that, that, that you think or feel like that everything is going to be fine or that every time you feel like, okay, well, I, you know, I don't have to do anything, you know, you sit, you know, you well set up, like, no. You got to move forward. So I'm going to teach critical race theory at home. And then a gripe that I have about the 1619, when we talk about the first slave ships that were here, um, you have a, 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 a group of individuals that feel that African-Americans were over here prior to that. There are books, one that I read in particular called They Came Before Columbus, that talked about um, ancient ships and, and boats and stuff that had been crafted by Africans that, that came over to North America. And if you believe in the theory of Pangea, then you could seemingly say that they didn't have as far to travel from Africa to what to 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 Africa at that point in time to what we look at as North America now, because they were a lot closer in proximity during that you know during that period of time. So that right there, you know, is is whatever it is. So again, instead of I feel like talking about it, talking about sixteen nineteen, talking about critical race theory, without seemingly going back and speaking about. Um, the greatness, right? The greatness, because sometimes if you give people too much, too much, that is somewhat of a defeatist. Like everything was just defeated. Oh, they did this, they did this. You get upset, and I don't feel like you 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 get productive, right? But if you if you balance it in there and you talk about okay, these are the things that you were able to do. Because honestly, Black History Month, you know. While people fought for that, right? It's it's a month, but now it's it's to the point now with the, with the impact of social media, everybody has a month now. Again, the minority particularly different thing like that. Everybody has a month. Every minority group has a month. Every, everything has a month now. So again, it doesn't elevate it. So I'm just I'm just again, I'm thinking to myself. I'm like these are pe- these people that present these propositions. From a a formal standpoint, are a lot smarter than me, and I always tell my wife, I say, a person with an advanced degree, that just means that you that that you that you chose to spend a little bit more time in formal school than me. But that doesn't mean that you read more than me, and that doesn't mean that you actually understand things more than I do. So I'm just looking at it, okay, Black History Month, okay, I see that we're in Asian Asian American Pacific Islander Month, right? Uh, Latino has has a month. You know, so so everybody has a month, so so it gets watered down. It, you know, it, it gets watered down. So this is why I feel like this push to talk about critical race theory is because it's going to end up getting watered down. The reparations argument is getting watered down, and again, the reason that it's so able to be watered down is again because we're no longer the majority minority within this country, and when you're no longer the majority, you don't have the leverage then you allow for other groups to say, okay, well, this is something cool, so maybe we do need some reparations. I joke with one of my mentors, you know, because we, we were on a call, you know, he's from Texas. I say, man, you know, yeah, you're talking about Texas? Like, no, Texas is just an extension of Mexico. That was the Louisiana Purchase, <laughs> right? You know, so Mexicans, um, <laughs> maybe they could trace back their heritage and say, well, hey, 
uh, throughout the Louisiana Purchase, that wasn't authorized. Y'all, y'all, y'all went behind our back with the Spanish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And got that. So maybe we can make claims to to Texas, to Arizona, to New Mexico, to whatever part you know, to California. Have a large that uh, what what used to be Mexico used to be. So again, it gets watered down, right? So. And and I'm not being a Debbie Downer. I'm not being a defeatist. But I'm just like, look, man, just focus. Let's let's just focus on economics at this point, man. Let's stop talking about it. Let's 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 move forward. Let's move forward. Because at the end of the day, it all boils back down to economics. So you don't need to be fighting for a critical race theory, all this stuff like this. I don't care about the 1619 project. All I care about is. You all that are that are intellectuals, let's stop the the lip sparring and let's let's get some action. And we're not talking about a little basic action that, because I I did a I did a <clears throat> podcast on what, what they did up in Evanston, Illinois. And once I saw what it was, I was like, it's not reparations. But again, when you allow for other individuals to dictate the terms of it, you just got to take it. And it goes back to the old adage, well, you know, something's better than nothing. But sometimes something is not better than nothing. Sometimes getting, sometimes nothing is better than something, especially when you feel that the value of the something is extremely inferior to the value of what it is that you truly need. Right? So, like I said, going back to what I said earlier, we had great orators in the 60s. We got great orators now. We had marching in the 60s. We got marching now. We got protests in the 60s. We got protests now. We got police brutality, police genocide in the 60s. We got police brutality and genocide in 2021. Had economics in the 60s. We got economics in 2021. But the difference is, if the focus had been on economics in the 60s, we'd be a lot further ahead than we are now in 2021. You could eradicate police brutality because you have the funds. You'd be able to regulate some things. So even if it was a situation where we are, we were falling behind as a majority minority in this particular country, at least we would have more of the wealth. So you would still have more political influence. Right, but but I'm gonna release this uh, podcast obviously um, on regular things, but I'm also gonna release it on my um, my Facebook page as well as my Instagram page and stuff like that. So um, it's um, on my pop <laughs> Facebook is uh, Rashad Horn and my Instagram is um, at Rashad Horn. So um, you'll be able to check those out um, there. I think. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> Let me stop joking, though. But getting back serious, though, what do y'all think? Um, me personally, like I said, it's enough talking, man. You know, it, it, it's time It's time to move forward, man, with something. All right. But anyway, that's another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. We'll be back to you again next week. Peace.